1: Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Holla talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well...
0: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing achieving balance in a world of work domination.
1: I'm so glad that a lot of folks are tuning in to hear us talk about some work-life balance, man. It's something that you... It's a topic that you and I discuss, I feel like, personally. Like when we're not recording ourselves talking into my <laughs> microphones. <laughs> when we, we we talk a lot even when we're not talking into mics. That's true. But that's what we're talking about
0: today. We're, we're talking about achieving. We're talking about finding that balance. And, and we, we have talked about work-life balance some on the podcast in the past, but I feel like too, Matt, as we've grown, we've got a lot more thoughts on this topic as you and I have have discussed together and just kind of grown as individuals. I mean, I feel like there's there's just a lot uh, more nuance that you and I, that we've kind of seen in our own lives. And hopefully we can kind of dis- discuss how we view this really important topic because especially now where work is like the, the the lines are more blurred than ever before mm-hmm. for people when it comes to their work, how yeah. they work, when they work. It's, um, it, it's a problem, I think, for a lot of folks feeling like they're working all the time, they're on all the time. And so, yeah, it's, it's something we need to talk about. And we can't like pretend that people can just like Stop working, or uh, that they can just like that it's easy, right? But they're just achieve
1: financial independence, (laughs) and then you won't have to work worry about it anymore. Can you just do
0: that in the next eighteen months, and then you can make whatever decisions you want? Right? Yeah, that that's (laughs) you know not in the cards for most people. But yeah, we'll give our thoughts on on uh, achieving work life balance in a world where you know work really does dominate. But first, Matt, let's talk about. I just want to mention that I went to a concert recently. That's that's now that. uh, can I say that COVID's over? Is COVID is it's, mostly over. Oh, dude, it's totally over. Okay. Everybody's saying that it's over at this point. All right. So I went to a concert. Oh, well, actually, interestingly enough, you had to wear masks at this concert. So that was kind of... Uh, it- I hadn't. I'd been to multiple shows, and that had not been the case. But it kind of felt like a throwback. Yeah, it did. But I is will that say, why, is that why you sound sick right now? Because uh... do I sound sick? <laughs> that, I you got a little congestion. Maybe I feel great. Okay. Feel great. Well, so I went great. to, went to a concert one of my favorite artists, and uh, went with a couple friends. And I, I was gonna buy some. I hate buying tickets online because of the fees they're so mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah. Like I literally went down to the Fox, one of our big theaters in Atlanta, recently, and bought tickets in person just to avoid the stupid yeah. fees. That come with buying them online yeah it, i was there actually yeah so is that you it, was, being it was on the way back b- because, from Pitcon. because it,
1: you you were dragging me along you're like i gotta make a pit stop
0: listen it was right on the way man <laughs> it was right on the way so just uh, standing there waiting on you to buy your stupid tickets that's just the right friend thing to do okay <laughs> so but th- th- for these tickets uh th- that wasn't possible and so i bought them online but I found out because it was really close to the show date. I had procrastinated to buy these tickets. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to make it. You dive into a uh, Facebook marketplace? No. You can't actually list uh, tickets for sale on Facebook oh, marketplace. Can't. I've tried before mm. and they take it down. And so, but they have resell. People resell their tickets on these platforms where you can buy the tickets. Nice. And so I, I ended up buying resale tickets Instead, because there were still regular tickets left, mm-hmm. but the resale tickets were cheaper because people were just trying to un- offload them. Uh, yeah, before, so they didn't get nothing. So I was like, "Oh man, I saved an extra fourteen bucks." That's awesome per ticket by buying the resale tickets. Oh, that's huge, dude! So especially, just a good tip if you're getting closer to a show you want to see. Uh, it's it's not they're not going to like make it obvious <laughs> that you're going to save money going in that direction, but you can definitely click the resale part of it and and at least kind of check and see if there are tickets available. I love it. At, for less money. Yeah,
1: I love it. it. It makes sense in this way to hold loosely to some of the things that we want in life, like going to a show, because I'm sure if those tickets were way more expensive, That's you'd right. have been like, Nah, may, maybe not. And if it sold uh, out, I would have just been like, ah, I guess I'm not going to this one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, obviously there's some concerts, there are some shows that are worth putting the money down. But if it's not like a bucket list concert, if it's not a bucket list v- vacation or destination, I'm starting to think ahead because Kate and I are like, we're we're going to try to plan a, a little getaway. And I love the. The feeling that we're not tied to a specific destination. Basically, we can watch the airfares, look for something that's going to go on sale, yeah. and pounce because there's an incredible deal that we're going to be able to take advantage We've of. We've always it's, said that's seems like what, you kind of did that. With, the number uh, one
0: rule of, tr- of cheap travel is is to book a deal and then figure out why you want to go to that place. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you guys are yeah doing that. Glad you're able to take advantage of some of those resale
1: tickets as well for yeah. that concert. But
0: curious to see where you're going to end up.
1: I am, too. We may not actually end up flying somewhere. Maybe we'll we'll just end up driving somewhere. But I would like to fly somewhere. I realize when you and I, I mean, even though Orlando is is definitely driving distance from Atlanta, but even just the, the idea of going to the airport, getting on a plane, it makes it makes it feel a little more special. And it's been a minute since... Kate's flown somewhere a lot of our vacations recently we've been driving and so I feel like it would feel a a little more special to hop on a flight as well so something to keep in mind but let's uh, introduce real quickly the beer that we're going to enjoy during this episode it is s'mores by wicked weed brewing this is the last of the guilty pleasures beers. I'm looking forward
0: to enjoying this one and sharing our thoughts at the end of the episode. Yeah. By the way, this beer reminds me of that scene in The Sandlot where they're having the s'mores in the clubhouse. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in 25 years. Killing probably. Me. Smalls. Yeah, so good. Classic. Uh, but, but let's move on, Matt. Let's talk about uh, work-life balance and and how we can achieve more of that balance in a world that like I feel like is conspiring to get us to work more, work all the time, even sure. and, and up until. Um, I'm sure you remember this, Matt, uh, from history class. When Copernicus came along in the 1500s, before that, everybody thought that the Earth was the center of the universe. But old, old Nick Copernicus, he said, that's not actually really true. We live in a, a heliocentric universe. And that means the planets, including Earth, are all revolving around the sun. Now that's just like common knowledge. We learned it in grade school. Mm-hmm. And but, but Nick, he wasn't really believed it. And in fact, it took more than a century for his theory to become widely accepted. And... I think, Matt, you and I, we would say that, that career and work seems to be kind of at the, the center of our American universe. Mm. And you and I, we're willing to be heretical here in this in this episode and say that's a bad idea. And it's not that work can't be fulfilling. You and I, we've always been pro-work. That's actually been one of our, our, our biggest disappointments with the FIRE movement. Oftentimes, there right. is kind of an anti-work sentiment in the FIRE movement. But yeah, it, it, we think it provides meaning and structure for lots of folks, not to mention a necessary source of income to be able to put a roof over your head and keep groceries in the fridge. But when our lives revolve around work, when it's at the center of everything we do, we think that kind of throws things out of whack. And that's kind of really what we want to talk about today.
1: Exactly. It, it makes me think about when you're driving your car and a tire gets out of balance and you start feeling it a little bit. Or actually, with the, uh, your, this happened to your bike recently. It, it got out of true. It, right. it wasn't perfectly round Super wobbly. <laughs> And it started out kind of light. You started hearing it. Uh, we noticed that we're right we're biking to get some barbecue one day. And it's like, what's that sound? It's kind of like that, 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 or whatever. But it's like the, slightly rubbing on the brake. But the more you rode on it, the worse it would get. And mm-hmm. in particular, the faster you would drive too, right? And uh, Or ride. But same thing is true when we're driving somewhere. If, if you have a tire that's out of balance, if you don't address the underlying issue, it can get worse and worse. Ultimately, it could lead to even more damage happening to that car. And I think the same thing is true when it comes to our work. If we just push on and continue to work harder and harder for longer periods of time, as we get into our late 20s, 30s, 40s, I think it could cause irreparable harm, not only to ourselves, but to those around us and maybe some of the other things that we claim that are important to yeah. us. And all that being said, like, we truly do believe that that finding that balance, that, that it is a possibility. Um, however, it may not look the same for everybody. Oftentimes it does come down to your own personal preference. And yeah, so we'll talk about how to figure that out in your own life. But the crushing reality, though, is that Americans are working more than ever these days. Uh, we work on average 435 more hours, more than German workers. We work 400 hours more than the folks in the UK and 365 hours, typically more than the French in a given year. I, I'm not <laughs> sure if that comes from like our, our Puritan heritage or not, uh, where it's like, all right, no, you're going to work six days a week. <laughs> Idle hands are the sinful. devil's work. <laughs> yeah, simple. Um, basically, though, we're the outliers here here in America. And it's important to, to remember, too, that massive numbers of paid time off days are left unused. And you know even when we do take some of that personal time off, we, it's often times that we, that we just find it hard to not just check in for a little bit and be connected to the office. Basically, for a lot of folks, even the millions who now have a, a more flexible work environment work. It's still the center of the universe. And we believe that that's not a good
0: thing. And the crazy thing is, Matt, that it's true. Like we have become, it, it seems like, even more focused on work as a culture and as individuals inside of that culture. But it, it's kind of crazy because it, it, it's almost not as necessary, actually, as we might think, because American workers are, are more productive than ever, thanks to specialization and technological innovation, we're able to get more done. We're just, than, we're just smarter than we used to be. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> even true, but we just have t- added it's tools. We're just right? dumber. Yeah. We're totally dumber than... Oh, we're dumber. Are, but we have better I mean, tools at our disposal, right, <laughs> to be more productive. And we can accomplish more than people could decades ago, largely because of the advent of those tools. But despite something like a 450% rise in productivity, we're still like working our tails off. We're working more than we should. We're more focused on work than a lot of people had predicted we would be at this point in time. And and specifically, when we're talking about those predictions in, in 1930, yeah, that's almost 100 years ago, economist John Maynard Keynes predicted that there was going to be this meteoric rise in, in productivity. Mm, yeah. He was he was spot on. But he also <laughs> predicted that us being that much more productive would lead to something like 15 hour work weeks that we would just have loads of leisure time. And it was going to be like uh, some sort of paradise <laughs> that we all lived in. But he was way off on his prediction. And the question is why? Why did he get half of the equation right but, but miss the other half? I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think uh, one, the reality is, work provides other benefits besides just income. Like, why does Elon Musk continue to work and create new companies? Yeah. He doesn't That's have true. to, right? He doesn't have to create the boring company in addition to Tesla. After starting PayPal and and making you know tons of money off that, his most successful venture, the boring company. Right. <laughs> he he could <can> stop <laughs> yeah. tomorrow,
1: right? Um, but is that company still around? I actually totally forgot. I think that, he's still working he was on it. Just like, yeah, we're gonna drill
0: tunnels yeah. uh, underground in order to foster high speed transportation. Yeah, no, I think. He's still at it, and yeah. I'm curious to see what, what comes of it. But the same same's true with somebody like LeBron James. Like, does he have to dribble the basketball or dunk ever again in his life if he doesn't want to? No, he could completely just chill out sit on the sidelines he doesn't he he totally has enough money he doesn't need another 50 million dollars that's for sure but why quit when you love it right and and i think that is the reality for a lot of people is that work provides something beyond just Mm -hmm. dollars right and and another less positive reason is because we consume too much as people as americans in particular many of us could choose to work less if we could just inhibit our desires a little bit more, if we could rein in our spending, we would have more fiscal ability to kind of like turn the dial down on on how much we're committing and how much time we're spending doing work-related stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's not that consumption in and of itself is inherently bad, right? And so like, for instance, if you thought back to 100 years ago, the advances in technology, like I think that's something else that he didn't count on that Keynes wasn't counting on is that as like not only is innovation and technology going to allow us to be more efficient, it's also going to create other technologies that we're going to want to have in our life. Yeah. Right. And so he wasn't counting on something as basic as air conditioning (laughs) or like refrigeration. Right. Like these are things that nobody would say are, oh, my gosh, that's lavish living right there. Right. Like nobody who lives in the South is going to say, yeah, you don't really need air conditioning. (laughs) No. Like that's an amazing invention that's allowed uh, large populations to live in the South in a way that doesn't put their health at risk, but it's more of like what you're talking about. Obviously, is like the like more the conspicuous consumption, the yeah. consuming of things just because we can consume them, not necessarily because uh, it's something
0: that has brought value to our lives. And you and um, me, by the way, in, in midsummer, and it, like we'd be migrating north <laughs> for a few months if, if it wasn't for the AC. So that's yeah, it's, we, it's we, made we of- just
1: embrace it, baby. Just <laughs> em- embrace that sauna life. Uh-huh. But we we've said it before, we'll say it again we do think that work is a good thing Like you're saying, Joel, like there's this innate need that we have to accomplish some productive work. And it's for reasons that go just beyond earning money. Most of us derive satisfaction from the work that we're able to do, even from the jobs that we we might not love, right? Like I'm thinking of even somebody who's just sweeping the floor. You can sweep the floor. You can be a janitor and find deep, intrinsic value within that work that you're doing uh, with the value that you're providing. Not only the people who are walking across the floor, but also the employers who pay your salary. Yeah, it just takes a
0: reframe for a a lot of time. To to view your job in a different light, and and that's not saying that everyone should stay with the job that they're in always. Uh, There's room to move and improve, but
2: yeah,
1: uh, it does come down to mindset, though. Yeah, there's a lot of that because if we can realize that our work is is often in service to others, you know, that we're contributing to society, that can completely shift how it is that we view our work. Uh, And for those folks who do want to retire early, like it's all good. You know, work doesn't mean that you have to collect a paycheck <laughs> it can look like volunteering you know with local organizations in your community uh, that is meaningful as well and if you're at the point that you don't need the money it can still be an incredibly fulfilling source of uh, quote-unquote work even yeah. though you're not necessarily getting paid
0: well yeah and speaking of cleaning it makes me think of when I I did pressure washing like my first job in radio I was only part-time I got paid 15 bucks an hour and I had to have something else to do on the side and so I became I pressure washed houses and it wasn't my long-term goal to stay in that business for very long long and I in reality I stayed there for just like a year and a half I think but it was actually kind of kind of cool there was something really rewarding yeah. about like getting there the house is all dirty algae covered on uh, yeah. the sides of it and stuff <laughs> and you clean that puppy up and then like yeah the homeowners pumped and they're super happy they and come home and they're like i
1: didn't realize my house was that
2: color
0: right exactly <laughs> it's way exactly. less green than i thought that was i love it surprisingly a, a cool job <laughs> for that reason and the reality is that when it comes to work you can take anything too far beer right we talk about that on the show like we we yep. like craft beer but moderation is the key to enjoying it correctly if matt and i were pounding four beers uh every show one we would the show would be bad <laughs> and two we would be overweight like we w- it wouldn't be good but ha- splitting this 12 ounce can bad for our hearts yes all the different poor health outcomes that would uh that we would be contributing that's to. right that's right exactly and plus it would cost us way more money that's too. true and the, the same is true when it comes to how we work because if we overemphasize the role that work plays in our lives it's going to stop giving us that sense of satisfaction and we're more likely to get burned out. And and I like the way actually met that writer Derek Thompson, he, he writes a lot about work and business in for the Atlantic. And he ran some numbers recently, he found that your your career is only one sixth of your waking existence over the course of your life. And I think that's helpful to put it in perspective, because sometimes it feels like it's at least half <laughs> of our existence. And when you put it like that, I don't know, it makes me think that we should be finding ways to put work in its proper, and likely less important than we're making it place because work is good, but overwork is
1: very bad. Totally. Yeah. And I, I like Derek Thompson a lot. I, f- I mean, the more I read by him, I'm, I'm like, man, I like re- how that guy thinks about the world. Mm-hmm. But having said, <laughs> I've, I've, it's difficult to look at an entire lifetime and say, okay, because you're not really thinking about work so much when you're a fifth, five-year-old or a 10-year-old. Uh, and same thing when you're older and retired, right? And so if you like eliminate 15 years on the tail end, 15 years uh, on the front end,
0: Maybe it's like a quarter or Truly, a third. Truly, yeah. yeah,
1: like a third of your of uh, of your 24-hour day is typically devoted to work. And that's I think that's also where most of our listeners are, right? Like we are in the stage of life typically where we are working. And so I say that not to just not to like roast Derek Thompson or anything <laughs> like that, but just to point out that it is important. And this is a reason why we're talking and focusing uh, on work. It's not because it's, it's this small thing that we want to relegate off to the sides. It's because... Well, it does take up a decent amount of our time, So that we just need to make sure that we're putting it within its right place. Because if we are working too much, then we're looking at overwork, we're looking at addiction. And that is also a real thing. It's, it's something to be wary of. Uh, because if you are prone to overwork, it's important, I think, to do some self-reflection to figure out like why that is. Gabor Mate, he's a uh, Canadian doctor and he writes about addiction. He talks about how easy it is for people to make work uh, and what they do their identity, and unlike drug use, it's it's basically an addiction that's it's it's more socially acceptable, but it's still an addiction <laughs> that can make us, it can make our families miserable. Um, and if you feel like maybe you fall into that camp, it's it's going to take some real internal work to adopt a different less intense attachment to your work. And I think it's it, like one of the first steps to figuring out whether or not you're addicted or not is if you're bristling even at the suggestion that maybe you're working too much. You know, like that can be a serious indicator. If your partner tells you that, or maybe you're even listening and, to us talk about it and you're like, Shut, I, don't yes, want, I don't work too much, Yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things that can be easier seen in other people, but within yourself, oftentimes I think there's so much self-denial right. and there's, there's just refusal of the truth. When we are working too much and we are. Are finding too much of our identity from
0: the approval of our superiors, of our bosses, even uh, from our clients. Yeah. And and I think one of the ways which we see that our, our culture as a whole is pretty work addicted. What's like the second question you typically ask somebody after getting their name? It is... What do you do for a living? What you do. Yeah. And that's where the conversation starts. There's yeah. so many more interesting things about people than just the job they perform. And so, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's I, my, my favorite conversations are one it is, where, where... It's a very important thing. I don't, yeah. It's, it's a fine line to walk. I want to know that about somebody mm-hmm. for sure. But I also am like... It's not everything. I, it makes me want to start the second question is like... What you, what's your favorite what are your favorite hobbies to do for fun? yeah like get go somewhere else with the conversation because that's just always the first line of questioning and there are other cool things that people have to offer and maybe we start there and get to sure. the work stuff sure, later sure. on in the combo yeah but,
1: and unfortunately, uh, people don't have as many hobbies as they wish they had and so you might ask them that and they might say,
2: huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Hobbies, hobbies
2: work. And then it's uh, like, oh, okay. That's yeah. Okay.
1: Actually, we're going to talk more about the lack of hobbies in our lives. Plus a bunch of other reasons why it is. It's so difficult for us to strike that work-life balance. We'll get to all of that right after this.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances.
1: For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free
0: trial. All right, we're still talking about work-life balance. Matt, you and I were going to offer kind of... Uh, our prescription from the how to money standpoint, because uh, for overwork, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But let's continue maybe down the diagnostic path for a little bit, because there's there's a lot more that we need to kind of consider as we're thinking about our own individual situation, because work is obviously a necessity. Work can be and is a good thing if it's in its proper place. Mm But and ideally, there's this uh, alignment between your work and your interests but you don't you don't get there overnight and i think sometimes maybe part of the problem is that we assume that we're supposed to have this job that we absolutely love and then maybe if you love it it's okay if you work 12 hour days but uh, there's often a financial trade-off if you opt to pursue work that you find enjoyable uh, for a lot of folks and, and that was the case for me at least when i went to work in radio that first job like i said was <laughs> didn't pay very much and i had to start off part-time e- even working in a major market but that was okay for me because I cared less about making a lot of money, and I cared more about doing something that I enjoyed. Yeah. But there was that trade-off. And I think if you want to go down that path, you just have to realize that that's going to be the case, that you might you might have to be okay m- yeah. making a smaller salary yeah. in order to enjoy the work that you're doing I f- I feel like day in, day out.
1: I feel like that's uh, one of those trade-offs that folks aren't considering as much because yeah. they think, well, I have the opportunity to earn this much money. But, well, just because you have the opportunity does not mean that you have to go down that path. Yes. that's. Yeah. I, I think that's the kind of thinking that I want more folks to consider rather than, oh, you must always, I mean, we're money nerds here, right? Like we are always looking for different ways to optimize all sorts of things. Money related <laughs> with our lives, whether it's the amount that we're earning, the amount that we're spending. But I don't think that's necessarily a healthy default, right? We do need to think about how it is that we're actually spending these life hours, these, and who knows, right? Like, who knows how many, li- uh, h- how long we're actually going to live. It's one of those finite resources that none of us actually knows. What if anybody the expiration does know, is gonna, how long it, I'm going it, to live, gonna please, please shoot me an email and just like give me a heads up. Uh, I think that's an email you probably don't want to get. <laughs> what if somebody emailed you super seriously and they're like, Joel, you're going to die? on X date. You're, you're probably going to block that guy, right? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> what, what if they were right, though? <laughs> oh, man. Nobody emailed Joel. <laughs> uh, and so let's 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 talk about some of the different reasons why today I th- we think it's just harder than ever to find and discover that work-life balance. Work, generally speaking, like there used to be kind of the, the standard nine to five job, right? Uh, there were more clear divisions but that's no longer the case, and technology is the, is the major culprit here. Uh, the same thing that enables you to work from anywhere, it also allows you to work at any time. Often creating like that nagging sense, uh, that guilt that you should be working when it's completely unnecessary. You know, like how often do you find yourself checking an email uh, compulsively uh, and responding at all crazy hours of the evening? Those are things that could most likely wait until the next morning uh, once you're at your actual desk. Uh, And so instead of letting these just great uh, technological inventions work for us, we've become enslaved to them. Technology and innovation are, are one of those double-edged swords, right? And in some ways, in, in a lot of ways, it's helped us, it's allowed us to do so much more than John Maynard Keynes would have ever thought possible, <laughs> yeah. but simultaneously, it allows us uh, to be tempted to overwork more than we ever thought possible. Well,
0: it makes me think about just uh, the intro to the Flintstones, Matt, and how uh, the big the bird chirps, Fred, he says, but dabba do, and he like, hops down the back of the dinosaur, hop into his car he's like ready to go home and stops by the store gets a big old <laughs> slab of ribs that's right. <laughs> pronto ribs <laughs> that's, whatever, that's why yeah. you like that
1: intro <laughs> that's right then they pulled up to the movie man just classic uh classic things that we should be doing
0: <laughs> yeah well there is something <laughs> and, and really healthy about kind they of that, up some meat and go to a drive-in that schedule right and and so he's he's got that going on spades and we actually we have this neon dollar light in our yeah, yeah. you know in, in our studio and it cuts off at 4 30 and it is this like pavlovian symbol to say like, Hey guys, work's done for the day. That's the factory whistle, right? That's right for for us. That's our version of it. And I I think if people can implement that, like uh, that, that can be, that can be a helpful way to shut down. You need something to kind of help you uh, create a delineation. And then we have a bike ride home and that kind of helps the delineation even more. Mm -hmm. So I think that can be helpful for folks. I think,
1: by the way, we don't manually turn that off. It's set. It's plugged into this little smart uh, Bluetooth socket or whatever. And I've got the thing set. It kicks on at eight in the morning
0: Cuts off at four thirty. Right, every single day. And, and the reality is that tech it can be used for good or bad, right? Social media, for instance it it can allow you to access, let's say, a personal finance hive mind in the How to Money Facebook group, and you can get killer advice and encouragement instantly when you need it. There's awesome folks in there, almost 10,000 awesome folks in there. Yeah. You, can, you can link up with all your old high school friends if you have the desire to do that. That's right. Some, for some reason. That's right. But but <laughs> we all know, everybody knows at this point, social media can also drain hours of your time. Uh, you can be doom scrolling for hours on end every day through your preferred social media app, whatever it is. And in, in order to maintain work-life balance, it's crucial to figure out which tools you need and which ones you should ditch. And then set up rules around the technology that you're keeping around so that you're in charge of it, not the other way around. And it just makes me think, Matt, uh, uh, Cal Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism. I feel like that helped me see the need for that. Uh, We're we're not attempting to romanticize the 50s or factory jobs, (laughs) but the reality is Technology has allowed us to become more efficient, and that's a good thing. But the thing that could be freeing us has also, at times, become our abuser. I think that's why it's so important to, to, to set
1: boundaries and set rules with within within your life, right? And so, like, work can so easily seep into all aspects of life, in particular, once you get home. And so, like, something that we've implemented uh, that Kate and I have implemented at our house, we've got a special counter where we put our phones. Uh, it's got a little plug over there where you can kind of charge it in as well. And so there's a natural draw to want to put it over there, right? It's like, oh, that's, that's where the power is. But it's also (laughs) removed from our kitchen table. It's removed from the kitchen a little bit and it's separate, which allows us to, you know, hopefully at least focus on the kids a little bit more, like in particular Monday through Friday, right? Like they've been at school all day. They've got a lot they want to talk about. And if I'm tempted to, you know, like hop on a text thread or uh, get back to an email or something like that, it's going to make those conversations feel a little more second rate as uh, compared to just fully engaging with them uh, and investing within and those relationships. The reality
0: might be you need to hop on email for, and we can talk about, we'll get to this in a little bit, but for let's say 20 minutes a night. But you can do that after the kids are asleep. But if your phone is buzzing in your pocket, you're probably going to hop on and think that the need, oh, yeah. you got to be on there right now. And you, you what could wait and be confined to a specific small period of time, uh, you've, you've kind of let overtake the rest of your life. And, and that one little change can make a big difference as to whether or not you feel like you have to respond right now or not. Exactly. Or at the very least, turning off those push notifications yeah. so that you are not notified if you
1: still happen to have your phone in your pocket. But um, another thing that's keeping us, I think, that that's causing us to seem like we don't have as much balance is flexibility. Because, like today, m- most folks have more flexibility than ever. Uh, they've got more options than ever when it comes to their work. Not everyone, of course, uh, but COVID has created a work economy that gives more optionality to just a slew of workers out there who previously didn't have so much. Uh, a recent survey from Gallup. Finds that nearly half of all workers in the US, and that's what that comes out to is around 60 million folks, have the flexibility now to work when and where they want, uh, at least part of the time. And interestingly enough, we actually think that like full time working from from home has some serious downsides uh, for us in a number of ways, but for us socially, for sure. Uh, plus, it can impact our ability to, to move up the ladder, increasing our, our skills and our income and the impact that we're going to have at our jobs. And so because of that hybrid work, it sounds better to us. It seems to be the policy that, that more employers are implementing because, you know, you can't Completely put the cat back in the bag when it comes to uh, the ability to work from home. Uh, But this, you know, the reality is that this newfound flexibility can have both pros and cons to it. Yeah. And
0: like we said, like technology, that double edged sword, it, it can make it so that we're able to get more work done in fewer hours. That's just not how it shakes out for the most part. And, and there was a, this new study, Matt, that, that actually shows that while folks are working more hours as work from home increases, so, so people are actually dedicating more hours to their job, even though they're not in the office. Largely because maybe, hey, I'm not commuting. Why do I spend that time working? Well, each hour is actually less productive than it used to be, which to me says that we're switching tasks more. We feel compelled to work more, but we're not getting as much done when we're quote unquote working. Like, but we're, we're spending more time in front of our computers, but we're just not getting as much done. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I think a part of that is accountability, right? When you're sitting yeah. at home,
1: I, it feels like you're at home. And what do you like to do at home? You like to do the laundry. You want to check the package that was just watch dropped Judy. off. Yeah, that was just on. dropped off on the front porch because uh, the Amazon guy showed up. Like, there's all these other temptations, and you're not. It's it's less of a work environment versus coming in, and it's like.
0: It's it's time to work. But time then, to get get the business done. And People still feel like they're always working though. They always feel attached yeah. to it, yep. which is just a draining sensation. And, and so the reality is, it's so like many a of us sense of malaise. Yeah, like we feel like kind of we're floating in the middle. We're attempting to multitask. Uh, and it's just making us it harder for us to perform any of our tasks, work or personal, really, really all that well. That's right. Yeah. Let's talk about status as well and the pursuit
1: of status, the pursuit of job titles. I think that can lead us to, to work a whole lot more than maybe we wish we did, because I mean, first of all, like you certainly don't have to be crazy ambitious, right? Like depending on, on how it is that you grew up in the circles you run in, uh, you might be more than happy to, to simply punch the clock Monday through Friday without feeling the need to, to rocket up the corporate ladder. Or you might find that ambition like that it just comes naturally to you, right? Like that you are always pushing yourself forward. This is a, a different strokes for different folks <laughs> kind of kind of thing. Uh, ambition. It can be good or bad, you know, so much of it depends on how you funnel that ambition. So if you are pursuing a job or a career for like exterior, external signaling reasons, I think it's likely going to lead to significant amounts of unhappiness like if you just the, want to in, tell in all your road. friends
0: if you want everyone to know you're a podcaster you know <laughs> and that's the only reason you're doing it because you think it's the coolest job ever yeah that's... or
1: a doctor or a cfo c whatever like whatever it is oftentimes yeah folks are tempted into taking jobs that they otherwise would totally turn down because they like the ring yeah they like not like literally a literal like they like the ring of it uh-huh. when they were to say it they, they like the the idea they love of that, that second
0: second question in the combo uh what is it that you do for a living you're like oh boom i was waiting for you to ask i actually <laughs> wish you would that before you ask my name because I'm so proud of it. I'm literally a rocket scientist. (laughs) Um, And so
1: I I mentioned that because I just think it's important to keep in mind. Even within personal finance, you know, I see folks in our space doing more. They're working harder. They're progressing more quickly. And because of that, it's easy to get jealous. But man, like I've got to remind myself of the reality that my joy, that is coming from things that cannot be measured by acquaintances or other folks uh, within the personal finance space or or things that folks post on social media. I think it's good to be ambitious, but you need to have bumper rails in place. For me personally, that's why I like to have hard boundaries around when it is that I do allow myself to work. I like the work that I do. I, I like the ability that the impact, Joel, that you and I are having on the countless people who listen to our show who are able to put themselves in a better financial position based on what it is that we talk about that's amazing plus we have fun doing it we it's so much fun also i like making money like (laughs) like, like these are all things that lead to someone wanting to be a little more ambitious I think those can all be good things. And so how do you contain that? And so for me personally, just having some just hard barriers to when it is that I give myself that I throw myself at that work allows me to not think about it when I'm not working. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I like that you said ambition, but with bumper rails. Yeah. It's like uh, in a bowling alley, right? (laughs) We called them gutter guards when I was a kid. And you stick those things in there. bumpers, baby. You might not get a strike, but at least you're going to hit up in. It's almost impossible to not hit up in, right, with those up. And so uh, if you have those, those gutter guards up. You have some sort of, and we're going to talk about how to do this in just a minute. But if you have those limitations on yourself.
1: Safeguards, boundaries, like whatever it is. Like it makes me think of like a campfire. Fire, it's it's a great thing to have when you're out camping, especially when it's cooler. Like you use it to cook. It's entertainment. You just sit there. You stare at it.
0: But Smokey the Bear wants you to do it within within a reasonable do limit. It, put it in a fire pit, though. Yeah. Like
1: like there are precautions you need to t- need to take because if it gets out of that firing, uh, it's going to cause a lot of harm. I, in in the same way, work is the same
0: thing as fire. And one of the things people are giving up because they are so focused on work is leisure activities and hobbies, Matt. That is, yep. Th- there, there was a recent survey, and it just like brought a tear to my eyes. So sad that especially millennials, there's just uh, such a lack of hobbies that they have been able to cultivate in their lives and and there was a, a recent American Time Use survey and it was literally at the bottom of the list leisure time yeah. or, or hobby activities like th- th- people just say like, ain't got time for that and that made me <laughs> that made me bummed out I'm like man I just want more time for those things yeah. in my life and if that means cutting back on work even though I like my work I'm going to do it and, because and th- that's that stuff matters yeah and not only that I thought you were going to reference the
1: study about how watching TV was most people's number one leisure activity. Yeah. Which is I mean, come We've on. We've talked like, about that
0: before. Just like four no wonder,
1: four no, hours on average uh, a day. It's so much. It's and, a problem. And no wonder it's not rewarding because it's it's I mean, it's quite
0: possibly the most passive Disengaged thing that you could do with your leisure time. Well, training. and it's actually it's actually draining. Like studies have shown that scrolling on your phone or watching TV, those are draining activities. They you think that they're going to be, and and I'm not saying that watching TV is is all bad. Sometimes yeah. Emily and I will watch you like watching a show, an episode like of Community a at night or something like that. But it is a real problem if it's something like four hours a day sure because something that can be good in small amounts then becomes a drug that like numbs us and, and i think that is is how a lot of people use television and it's preventing them from from exploring the world around them from enjoying hobbies that matter sure uh, it, it's it's a so sort of te- like, television side tangent uh, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah well sort of like folks who are trying to quit smoking right eventually it's helpful to have a cessation device or something you can maybe substitute in rather than just trying to cold turkey eliminate smoking altogether overnight i, I know people who have done it, and I'm impressed by it, but it makes it more difficult. It's not as sure. easy to accomplish. And and friend of the show, Laura Vanderkam, she just wrote a great article uh, in the in the New York Times about incorporating fulfilling and enjoyable activities into your everyday life. It's, it's not necessarily that we need to remove more things from our lives, but maybe, I don't know, we should look to add more fulfilling, meaningful uh, hobbies and activities to our calendar that might mean detaching from work a little more. But uh, maybe the more we start to experience and enjoy things that, like, we haven't made the time for, it'll naturally start to kind of realign our priorities.
1: Yeah, it's it's no surprise that watching TV is like the least meaningful, fulfilling leisure activity because like, yeah, you're not engaged in it at all. And so I think sometimes folks, it's still
0: the one we participate in the most.
1: It is. And I, I think folks, maybe they count on that because they're thinking, OK, well, I don't want to have to think about my leisure and, and the recreation that I participate in. But what Laura was arguing is that by engaging with it and being a little more proactive with it, that we can find that not only do we have the time to participate within that activity that we previously thought we didn't. But now that our lives just in like generally speaking, feel more fulfilling because mm-hmm. we now have this activity outside of our work. But I like what you said about smoking and cessation devices, because when you have an absence of something pulling you out of work, it can be difficult to say, well, I'm going to work less. Yeah. Right. If you're saying, well, I work too much. I'm going to just start cutting back. Well, if they don't have anything to go to, they're thinking, why well, am I doing this? Why, why would I want to cut back on working? Why don't I just keep working, make more money? Because at least there, there's there's some sort of like scorecard, right? And that's what they're measuring. And so you have to develop these core pursuits, these hobbies, these interests uh, to pursue so that it pulls you away from work. And not only will you find that you actually are working less, but you're going to find much more fulfillment, plus a whole lot of other benefits
0: that come with pursuing some of these interests. Yeah. And so maybe you want to get on the pickleball bandwagon because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's hot right now. Or just, I don't know, one of my things even just, I like to take bike rides before dinner with my little dude i know you like to do the same Matt with your with your kiddos we, we ran into each other on the mountain <laughs> like not literally but yeah you were going up the mountain we were coming down i was yeah. like oh howdy buddy it's like the best the best thing to do before dinner a little physical exercise getting outdoors like seeing wild animals it's awesome we literally did that last night (laughs) we ran into y'all yesterday i was like oh fancy seeing you again but there's just so many options right it it doesn't even have to be outdoors and physical you could like join a choir i mean there's just there are a you learn to play the piano Um, there's there's a million different things you can participate in and it just reminds me of our conversation with wes moss back in the day matt which we'll link to that one in the show notes such he had such good and important data and thoughts on on what it looks like to be a happy retiree living a well-rounded life. The happiest retirees have more what he calls core pursuits. Mm-hmm. And so what it's like three and a half versus... I forget that we
1: didn't start using that term until we we talked We talked with him. But like that's just a part of my vernacular now. Like, yeah. Like it's just something that
0: you need to develop a core pursuit. So whether you're into woodworking Multiple core pursuits. Or singing like whatever it is that you love having and developing more core pursuits is going to make you more well-rounded and it's going to make you happier. The happiest retirees were not the ones with the most millions in their 401k. They were the most well-rounded people who lived closer to friends and family Spent more time with him and had more personal endeavors that just kind of light him up.
1: Yeah. And and if you're thinking, well, I don't have time for hobbies. Thank you very much. Uh, All my time is occupied by work and all the other responsibilities I have in life. You'll be surprised that when you allow yourself to participate in some of these life giving activities, you'll be surprised at how you're able to make time for these things, not only from the enjoyment that they're able to bring to your life, but in how they cause you to feel about the other areas of your life as well. But Joel, we're going to keep talking here right after the break. We're going to discuss how it is that you're going to be able to find balance within your own life. We'll talk about what it means to find meaningful work. We'll get to all of that right after this.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances.
1: That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash money for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to MonarchMoney.com slash money for an extended 30-day free trial.
0: Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours. But it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything, too. And so you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using PolicyGenius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. All right, Matt, let's keep going. Let's talk about work life balance. This one's kind of
1: getting to be a long one. It is, is. Is, it, is it kind of ironic that the work life balance <laughs> episode uh, going <laughs> to it feels like it's going to run long.
0: Hey, I don't know. There's a lot to say, right? There's there's just um th- there's a lot of nuance involved in this conversation that I feel like we have to bring to the fore, especially when we're talking about something as complicated as our relationship sure. to work. And I think one of the things that we we have to talk when we're talking about how to help people find their own balance, how you and I try to do this, well, one of the things you have to do is be careful with the time frame you're using to judge whether or not you're you. You are living that balanced uh, life because the reality is one day or one week of overwork doesn't necessarily mean you're overworking, right? You you might want to start by taking an honest assessment of how much time you're actually dedicating towards work and do it over multiple months so that you can at least kind of have a a better understanding of, because you might be in in, in some sort of a job where, hey, I travel a lot in the month of October. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, like it might feel like I'm spending too much time working, but you know what? I get plenty of time off these other times and I feel balanced, even though it feels like I'm loaded up in the fall. Yeah, It's like the difference between weather and climate change. Yeah. It's like <laughs> right. they
1: are, They're you know, they're, they might be related, but they're very different
0: things as well. And you it's can't important. be like, oh, it's 95 degrees in September. This is this one day. Global warming. It's evidence. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and it's also important, by the way, when you're thinking about your, how, how much time you're spending towards work to include everything in this calculation. That, that includes a commute, if you have one. Uh, you, you might be shocked by how many hours your job actually requires of you. And then, The question is once you've kind of understood like this is roughly how many hours over a longer period of time i am working can i work less or maybe you need to find something else entirely to do entirely because the job that you currently have is not going to allow you that sort of flexibility and like we said at the beginning of this episode like your definition of balance is going to be largely determined by your specific circumstances but taking that holistic view of your job and how much time you're actually spending on it and uh, taking that realistic snapshot, I think is going to uh, is going to be the right starting point. That's right. Yeah. You need
1: to take you need to perform an, an honest audit yeah. of your time. Uh, I did that for an entire year. And actually, I'll, I'll link to the, the app I used. Clock, I think it was was it Clockify? I think that's right. Yeah. But if you think that might be helpful for you, we, we can link to that in our show notes. But it's important to point out, too, that not all balance is, is equal or that your balance is better or worse than somebody else's balance, right? Uh, because we are all in different stages of our lives and you might be front-loading the sacrifice. That's what our, our friend uh, Doc G says if you're in your, your early 20s. You might be working really hard, trying to make a lot of money. You're cutting back in other areas. We think this is this can be a great idea. Essentially, you're, you're basically earning more balance for future you by putting in more more work now. Uh, you're going to have more options when your life uh, incurs other demands, like it's, like having kids, like having a family.
0: It's the same thing we do with our money, right? The more we're able to funnel yeah, towards right. investments now, we're providing future flexibility for ourselves. But we can do the same thing kind of with our time. If in those early, mid-20s, we're able to put more effort into our career and a little bit more time time, it does allow us more future flexibility when the demands are actually more severe. Totally. Yeah. Or uh, the other side of the
1: coin, right? You might be on the flip side wanting to work less right now in order in order to spend some more time with your grandkids because you've got more money than you need. You know, there's, there's just no need to work at all anymore. Uh, And so I I think most of our listeners are probably, you know, somewhere in the middle of that pendulum. But we're pointing this out because finding balance is not a black or white proposition. And you are unlikely to want to mimic like our sensibilities directly. Uh, It comes down to taste. And that's something else that that Derek Thompson mentioned in that article, too, how he likes a certain kind of wine. And just because you don't like that wine doesn't mean that, well, you're an idiot. Yeah, (laughs) that you're (laughs) dumb. I mean, for us, it's it's craft beer. Not everybody out there who listens to the show likes craft beer, though. but yeah. w- what we always say is you've got to find your craft beer equivalent. What is it that you're willing to splurge on? And in the same way, when it comes to work, what is your craft beer equivalent w- as far as work goes? What is the balance that you're trying to strike that w- that is going to work for you? It doesn't necessarily mean that that it's better or worse than what it is that Joel and I are talking about here on the show, but it is important for you to figure out what
0: that is for you. And part of the equation is going to be asking yourself the question, do I like my job? Because your answer to that sure. is probably going to indicate how you need to move forward. That's going to factor into the equation. The, the ideal is to do work that doesn't necessarily feel like work, right? That is kind of uh, glorified in today's culture. And I think the reality is more people can do work that they find meaningful than ever before. Uh, but it's, it's easier said than done because yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we do feel like that it's possible for, for a lot of folks, in How to Money listeners in particular, if you like your job you probably won't feel as much of a burning necessity to cut back on those hours. But while you're pursuing meaningful work, it's still important to spend time thinking about those other important elements of your life too. Just because your work is fun, Or meaningful doesn't mean you aren't too attached to it right doesn't mean you're not overdoing it and that you couldn't enjoy your life more were you to dial it back a little bit and try to incorporate more of those core pursuits like we're talking about
1: yeah uh finding work that you love meaningful work like that's another one of those double-edged swords right because yeah if you are doing work that you love you're going to find it harder than
0: ever to work less (laughs) because it's something that brings you a a ton of value. Like Elon Musk. He's like, I'm literally trying to save humanity and take them all to Mars. And so when you think of that, uh, if that's how you're thinking about it, then I mean, yeah, this is a way of life for him. Going mountain biking (laughs) just doesn't register on the scale.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, and as we're talking about different jobs too, like like certain careers are just not going to be compatible with having much balance, you know, like, or they're going to at least throw in a bunch of extra hurdles like it's going to be more difficult to have balance. Uh, like as a pharmacist, or maybe not a farm. like as a ER doctor, right? <laughs> Pharmacists work a
0: lot too. Do they work a lot? Oh okay. gosh.
1: Um, Overloaded. Versus Most of them. somebody who's, you know, like, like an author or a web developer where they can easily set their own hours. But other jobs are going to allow for all types of flexibility. And so what you do and the company you work for are going to have major impacts on how much balance that you're going to be able to achieve. Uh, and if you are experiencing... The negative reality of a job that, that feels too demanding to you, you might have to start asking some of these hard questions, right? About what your future career should look like and what changes that you'll that you'll likely need to make. It comes down to forecasting, thinking in your mind, looking ahead. And and if you are experiencing, you know, the negative reality of a job that's too demanding, you might have to start asking yourself some hard questions
0: about what your future career should look like, what changes that you'll need to make. Yeah, I think the the best long term vision for work in your life should be to do work that's voluntary. And I don't just literally mean volunteering. There, There's just something I, more fulfilling about work that you're able to do when you don't need that paycheck in order to pay rent or the mortgage. Right. M- making progress with your savings, achieving a nice uh, little peace out money fund, just creating more financial margin and space will give you, I, I would say, a, it's going to give you a different connection to your work. You don't have to be completely financially independent yep. in order to appreciate and change your connection to your work. If you need that paycheck this Friday to pay rent, for for October, like you're gonna have a different connection to your work. Yeah, yeah uh, you're gonna feel
1: feel differently about the email that showed up in your inbox because you're living paycheck to paycheck. That's right,
0: but if you have six, seven, eight, nine months worth of savings <laughs> in the bank, mm-hmm. and you're like, boom, like I, I just I like my job, but I don't have to treat it the way other people do who are reliant on the next paycheck yep. to make sure their budget doesn't get messed up. Well, that's kind of a cool thing to realize that once your your personal finances are in better shape, you can have a different relationship to your boss to your employer to your job and and it just you know allows you more breathing room to decipher whether or not the job you're currently in is one you want to keep in your life moving forward. Exactly. Basically, what you're
1: saying is that when you have financial margin in your life, like you can look at your job, your career with like through a completely different lens. Yeah. And that's, man, that's invaluable. And man, you know, I stumbled across another uh, Laura Vanderkam gem recently about whether or not it's okay to to work from the beach. I think this was in the Times. But basically, her argument is that if working a little bit on vacation, if it allows you to get away more often, that it's likely a good thing. And if you make room for some small, like vacation style getaways during like your typically non-vacation work days that it can provide some helpful balance. Mm. Uh, so for instance, like if you can get out for an afternoon hike uh, or, or a bike ride or, or like a surf session, but if that forces you to work after the kids go to bed, if you have to shift your hours a little, a little bit, if you have to move your time, well, that could be well worth it to you. In a time study she did for, for one of her books, she mentioned, uh, yeah, there's a couple and her and her husband, they go on hikes during the middle of the day because it allows them to like basically help each other out. Like they're able to, it's not the goal of the hike. The goal of the hike is to get out because it's beautiful. uh, Get some exercise, get some fresh air. They get to reconnect, talk about stuff, but they happen sometimes to solve problems for each other, for each of their individual jobs. And guess what? They're able to sit down and work on the spreadsheets at night at 9 p.m. Because who wants to go hiking in the dark? Like, <laughs> nobody wants to do that. That's right. And so the ability to, to move time around a little bit is a, an incredible benefit if you have the luxury, if you have the flexibility to do that within your job.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, again, one, we talked about the double-edged sword of technology. The reality is that you probably can get in a quick 20 or 30 minute work session on a vacation. And I'm not saying that's ideal, but I'm saying if it allows you to take more vacations, <laughs> then maybe that is a good thing. And I, I like the way Laura thinks about it, because, because some some people are more rigid about their hours and when they let work interrupt it but because of the way work has evolved in our modern culture we have a lot more say over when and how we work and that can be bad or that can be good that can allow us to work a little bit at night just adding to our uh, the amount of work we're doing overall, or it can allow us to take that break during the day so that we can kind of time shift when we work. And I think yeah, you, you'd have to make sure you're setting up those bumper guards, those those guardrails, just yep. like you would in, with a bowling alley to make sure that you're not overdoing it and allowing that technology to, to run your life, but you have to use it in a way that's going to allow you to take the time you need and want for the things that matter to you that... Go beyond work.
1: Exactly. Yeah, time is like one of the most fungible things, right? The ability for us to just to kind of decide that, like, okay, well, I was going to use this time for this thing, but now I'm going to kind of push it over here. It just depends on on what it is that we're trying to achieve. But it's simultaneously, though, it's important to be careful when you start blurring the lines between work and life or work and play, because it can be difficult to perceive what's going on below the surface. Like one of the things I've learned from reading about Warren Buffett is that man, he was a terrible father. He was a terrible husband. And even though he was present at home, his mind was elsewhere. Mm. He was analyzing balance sheets in his mind, thinking about these businesses, these deals that he was considering. And that meant that he wasn't very involved. He was not very engaged when it came to raising and growing his family. And so it's, I don't know, I I mentioned that because when we are on our own, sometimes we might be tempted to work a little bit harder. And we alone are the ones who bear the brunt of the sacrifices we make, right? Um, But when you start involving other people, right? Like, so you've got a significant other, then it gets a little bit trickier, because uh, assuming, like, unless you find somebody who shares the exact same goals and timelines and schedules that you do, you're going to have to figure out how to make life work. But with kids, man, it can be, it's even more difficult. Like, they don't understand that we have to work, <laughs> you know? I mean, they they learn quickly. My three-year-old's always like, Daddy, you going to school too? I'm like, kind of. <laughs> yeah, buddy, I am actually. <laughs> um, but like, I mentioned that because we we have to keep in mind the impact that the sacrifices we choose to make, the impacts that it has on other people, and yeah. the other things that that we claim and, and that we have identified are important uh, within our
0: own lives. Yeah. Or so, Matt. As I was kind of like we were getting ready for this this episode, I, I stumbled upon this old, old, old New York Times article, literally from the year 1910, and. President Howard Taft, he actually, he was quoted, and he said that people should take three months of vacation a year. I was kind of yeah, shocked boy. by that. I was like, "Where's, <laughs> where's that sort of mindset these days?" Like, it, it, it's, it, it feels doesn't really exist. Very new tis. and progress. That feels very. Norwegian or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Well, and I was like, well, that's that's probably not realistic for a lot of folks. But when you go back to the John Maynard Keynes thing, if, if we if we were using our productive hours more efficiently and we were cutting back on our spending, using our money more efficiently too, like we probably could enjoy more leisure time. Yeah. And, and we think the reality is that you can have it all. Maybe not all at once, but you can have a career that you enjoy. You can have chunks of meaningful family time that matter. You can have personal hobbies that you regularly partake in but it will likely mean proactively deprioritizing your career and one of the five regrets of the dying is having worked too much so maybe we should learn from the reality of what hospice doctors and nurses tell us about the regrets of people who are on their deathbed and we should make changes now my guess is though that most folks that our friend doc g who we had on recently matt who is a hospice dr c well they probably don't wish that they had never worked they sure. probably found satisfaction yeah, they would in have been job. destitute and would not have lived a fulfilling life in that way right like, yes yeah you've got to have some money and the reality is, like, work-life balance, it's not necessarily a set number of hours you can't work beyond. It's it's more of a, a lifestyle framework. And if you don't design your life for yourself, somebody else is going to do it. And typically, for most people, that is their boss who yeah. is kind of determining the trajectory of, of their lives instead of themselves and what they want to do. It's your life and you're in the driver's seat. And, and the reality, too, is, Matt that the job market is full of opportunities right now. Absolutely, yeah. for folks who are realizing maybe, eh, my current career track, it's it's not the best one. It's, it's not a great one for me to be on. It's not my best long-term interest. Well, now is the perfect time to try to find something different, something that per- allows you to have more balance, something that even allows you to make more money. I don't know that there's a better time to be thinking through these things and making adjustments because a whole lot of workers have a whole lot more say over what they do, how they do it, when they do it, than ever before. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Switching jobs is the best way to make more money. But even if you like the current job that you're with, just think through, like like Joel said, like design your life, think through what it is you want your day to day to look like, and then just start living it out. It truly isn't any more complicated than that. And granted, you're, you might have to set different boundaries in place. You might have to institute certain rules at home, whether that's uh, when it is that you're going to be on email or when it is that you even have your phone within reach. But the goal here is to get you to think about what that looks like for you and take some of those practical steps to start actually achieving it uh you got anything else no okay all right (laughs) don't let work dominate your life man don't yeah don't do it It enjoy it it's great cutting back a little bit Mm -hmm. as a just as an american population granted there are some people who aren't working enough but generally speaking we tend to work too much in particular i'm guessing a lot of the listeners who listen to our show uh joel let's uh some quick notes on our beer for this episode this was s'mores by wicked weed brewing this is an Imperial
0: Stout brewed with chocolate, vanilla, and cinnamon. Did
1: you taste those flavors?
0: Uh, Yeah, it was kind of muddled to me, honestly. Oh, yeah? I thought it was I thought it was okay. I, I was like, man, this beer would be better if I was sitting around a campfire eating an actual <laughs> s'more. Uh, but I don't Stirring know. like the flames. Again, I'm just not super, super impressed with this Stout series from Wicked Weed. I like Wicked yeah. Weed as a brewery. I prefer their sour beers. Yeah, this one was okay.
1: Honestly, if every single one of the beers of the ones that we, so we had four of them, if every mm-hmm. single one of those had been barrel aged in a different type of barrel, that would have given it that additional depth. And I think each one of those would have been singing a little bit more. Yeah. Like, like a little more some, bourbon barrel action would have been yeah, nice. Yeah, and just a little more depth. Um, it's almost as if these uh, these beers were a little two-dimensional, right? And, and maybe some of that aging, uh, some of those additional flavors would have allowed us to really dive into it a little bit more and, and, and be huge fans. So they're still good. Totally still good. You picked these up. Were these really expensive?
0: No. It was a four pack. That's what part of the reason okay. I picked it up was like four different beers in a four pack. That's great. Like you don't normally you don't normally get that. So got it. it uh but yeah, it, it was I don't know, it was it's like, like eleven bu- bucks or something. Okay. Like that, yeah.
1: So 11, 12 bucks for, for these guys, that like that feels appropriate. Yeah. If if this was like
0: an eighteen dollar four pack, no. That'd be
1: I would I would not be happy. So much of it does <laughs> come down to the value. It comes down to the cost of the beer. Yeah. And there are some beers we have that no matter what, you're just like That is phenomenal. I don't care what you paid for it, but that's just an excellent beer. If you paid $2 for that beer, even more amazing. We need to go get more of that. Uh, But this was one that, yeah, you start thinking, okay, how how much were those? Okay. Not too expensive. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you like a variety of some different stouts in
0: your fridge. Yeah. Especially as we're getting closer to fall time, right? You know what, man? All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Rabbit. wrap it. For folks who want uh, the show notes, links to anything that we mentioned, we'll have those available on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right, buddy. So until next time. Best friends out. Best
1: friends out.
2: okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one listen to a really good cry with radhi on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts it's brand new season two